Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What I will start with this show by saying is do not expect this to be a New Year's resolution and seeing me on this station. This is how desperate everybody has got, uh, to be brutally honest. But very warm welcome and a happy New Year. Uh, this is the Fallout Bar at the Paddy Power PDC World Darts Championship. Quarterfinal day, the best day of the darting year. It just is. No ifs, no buts. And unfortunately, you can't argue with me in the comments because I will just not read it out. So that's how it goes. Uh, but it is the best day of the year. Year, and it is always a fantastic day to see Cam McFarlane on my screen, just like we have on our podcast about cricket, which you can just follow there in the left-hand corner. Sorry, Phil. Sorry, Gobble. We'll stop that, I'm sure, at some point. No, absolutely not. It's your it's your one, two, two appearances that you're making, so you have yeah. three in to put whatever you want in that, well, within reason, put whatever you want in that corner. And being co-host of said podcast, I'm quite happy for it to be there anyway. <laughs> Uh, yes. Well, how are you, sir? How how was you? How was your New Year uh, celebrations? Uh, I'm sure uh, crying about your Philadelphia Eagles. I'm sure you're wearing your hat off that uh, you lost and are going to be going uh, in the wild card round. You're going away from home as things stand. Yeah. Um, obviously, it, it's a time for spending with family and friends. It's New Year, so I, I didn't watch the game. No idea what you're talking about, mate. I think we'll just just move on from there. <laughs> I'm feeling well, exactly how a Washington Commanders fan will absolutely say throughout the entire season, not just New Year's Eve. Uh, but yeah. a very warm welcome to you, uh, regardless of whether you're listening to us uh, via our online darts podcast or, of course, if you're watching us live on YouTube. Uh, a very, very warm welcome. Um, Rob, I swear to God in heaven, I yes, really Rob. this gets retired next year. Uh, for the Pro Tours because I can't deal with it, as we all know. Uh, a very happy New Year as well to Bob. Um, to be fair, Zalif isn't too bad, actually, in all fairness. I normally get called Charlotte, so that's not too bad. Um, there's a lot of people talking about the quarterfinals of the Paddy Power World Darts Championship, which is a not a surprise at all, considering uh, what we have just witnessed. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Cam. Um, I was going to go through and say we suggest we go through this chronologically today. Um, but then Scott Williams beats Michael Van Gogh in 5-3. I think that's where we have to start, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I think of of all the games today, that's that's the one that you probably weren't picking to go that way of, of sort of any of us. Um, yeah, I'm not giving you a free reign just because it's your first appearance on here for a while. What did you tell us earlier on? 5-0 Michael Van Gogh in and stick with me, you won't go far wrong, lads. That's correct. Uh, stick with well, me. Well, as long as you do the exact opposite of what I do. I didn't yeah, mention three, that. 3 0 first set, wasn't it? To to put all your predictions straight out of the water. And then, to be fair, we all kind of still thought at that point, it's probably still Van Gogh's game here. He only needs to up it a little bit and he, he should run away with this. But he didn't. And it was partly down to how he played, but also massive credit to Scott Williams, who just held it together really well did what he's been doing throughout and was just much more clinical when it came down to it. 
thing is, is this, right? And like the, the biggest takeaway that I've got from this is the fact that MVG, there was something not right. Let's let's have it right. And I'm not and I'm not Phil Barr's level of loving MVG here, okay? But I'm just very there aren't many that are. What's that? There's not many that are. Well, yes, but I'm making a, I'm making a serious point here. MBG was not at the races. We have seen the way that he normally performs at the World Championships. He hadn't lost a set coming into the game. It demolished one of the form players of the year and the, and the people's hero, Stephen Bunting, absolutely wiped the floor with him 4-0. And won the rest of his games, Richard Veenstra, as well as Keen Barry, uh, again to nil. There was something that just wasn't right there tonight with MVG. And it started really in the first set when he missed seven darts for a double across the whole three legs. That does not happen. Yeah, it's... I think he missed his happen. first 11, didn't he, if we include going yes. into the next set as well. It was... Yeah, it's... He's not the force on his doubles that you, you expect him to always hit it every time he steps up, though, like possibly was in the past. But, but even so, you... That doesn't happen, especially not against someone who's not really put it to him that much at that point either. He wasn't under a lot of pressure in these legs when when it was happening. You can't just think at some point they're going to start going in, but he didn't really. Um, even towards the end when he when he sort of improved and, and played better, he, well, I say played better, he played better in the a couple of sets, but for for the most part, it was it was still pants. But he, he improved a little bit on the outer ring. And then seemed to have found a little bit of rhythm on them as we got further into the... He wasn't giving himself a lot of opportunities because he was scoring terribly, but he was actually taking out chances when he came. And then that deserted him again as well, and he just could not hit a barn door today. No, and like, uh, I have to say this now, because we, we've seen these performances far too often with MVG recently. Yes, we saw the odd performance like that. You know, Jeffrey Desvan in the UK Open of 2018 and the Match Player 2018. We, we, that was a blip. But we've seen this now a couple of times. He has gone over basically the best part of a year now, over a year, without a ranking TV title. He's going to end the year with the only television title that he's won being the Premier League. Now, that is his tournament. So, that, fair enough. But you look at the performance against Brennan Dolan in the World Match Play. In comparison to what he's normally like, he was Bobbins, let's put it bluntly. Hetter in the second round of the Grand Slam. Nowhere near what he's normally been doing. And now we've seen this again with Scott Williams over a long format, which normally favours MVG. He has only, before tonight, Dave Chisner was the only player to beat him when he made a World Championship quarterfinal. And now that's the second time that's happened. It's the first time it's happened through the crowd, by the way, as well, because Dave Chisner was a 5-0 drubbing in, a, in the COVID year quarterfinal. Do we have to accept at this point that MBG is, is actually that different player to the one that completed darts in 2016 and 17 and uh, obviously became the force that he is? Do we have to accept that now? Because, again, I was looking on Twitter and Anonymous Darts, by the way, hilarious Twitter account if you haven't followed Yeah, it. brilliant. brilliant but, you know, but again, he, he, he asked Wayne Mardle about it and Mardle even said that the throw's a bit different now. The, the answer that's standing up, it's the way that he throws it as well. It's standing, it, it feels like it's falling into the treble a lot more now. And I'm not too sure whether we're going to constantly see an MVG that just dominates tournaments like we have done for the past, you know, five, six years. I mean, look at last year, 24 television titles. On. Yeah, yeah. I like you say, I don't think, I think one, the, the standard around him is probably a little bit better. Like everyone else's sort of B game has probably improved a little bit. But the the problem for him is he isn't finding his A game anywhere near like he was doing. And there isn't the fear factor now. It's almost a little Man United asking that he used to have people beaten before he got up there. And no one's scared anymore. Everyone will just go up there and put it to him. And there's almost like there's a little bit more fear from his side that actually I'm not going to get a free ride here. And... I'm going to have to find it at times against people where I didn't need to previously. I thought I'd just stroll through it. And when he's trying to find it, it almost looks like it's a little bit harder for him at that point. Where when he's just relaxed, he looks like still the same player that he always has done. But when he's under a little bit of pressure, it just goes away a little bit. And Gob's probably the one that, not here tonight, but is the one that you could probably tell us more about the action. He's the one that has that sort of level of analysis on it. But it is definitely pointing down at the start where it used to be pointing flat. But I don't know then whether he goes through his throw and it's actually coming out any different. But we're looking at the 
the end result, it's certainly not what it was. Just a quick one. I've seen this one, and I don't normally do this, but I'm just going to show you this this comment here from. I ran. If it is Lionel Messi, then fair enough. Please, Lionel. Great to see you. Um, well, some, but we said, have some people on this this week. Well, Lionel Messi. We had Kenneth Gamewell on the other day. Did he? Oh well, well, he should have been playing. He, should, he, should he been... didn't actually confirm whether it was officially Kenneth Gamewell. Um, if if Lionel Messi can confirm if it is him, that would be excellent. Um, <laughs> But he says that there, he's 154, well, it's 153 tournaments, and one what motivation has he got left? This is the motivation that Malachi, oh, hello to you again, Malachi. Always good to chat to you, mate. That is the motivation right there. He's only won three of the feckers. Three. Yeah, it's now, not enough. For a player who's been as good as he is, it is nowhere near enough. He's dominated the entire sport for the last decade, and three isn't enough for how far ahead of the field he's been for most of that time. Absolutely correct. Now, we've got the MVG debate out of the way. I want to praise Scott Williams because Scott Williams today, yes, MVG was off, but you have to take your chances. And over a, a potential nine-set game and eventually an eight-set game, you don't normally get that many chances against MVG, and especially you've got to take them. I thought after set three, when he lost that set there in the deciding leg and he was blowing set darts, I thought, and we both thought, the game was going to just turn into the usual script. MVG was going to go and roll on. But my word, did he pull it back there? Just look at the stats here. Beat him on the 100-plus scores, 140-plus scores. Hit 12-180s to MBG's 11 and absolutely smashed him on the checkout percentage. There's no doubt about that. He was the better player and the better player normally deserves to win the game. And well, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, if you score higher, give yourself more darts than a double and take your darts than a double out at a higher percentage, you're generally going to win the game. And to be honest... 5-3 flattered MVG here because he's got absolutely routed in legs. 18-11 uh, in legs. And it, at one point, it was 13-6, I think. Were. So that, that gap was maintained throughout. It didn't really sort of pull it back at all. It, it'd been a, been a leg play tournament. It'd been an absolute, we'd be talking about an absolute toweling, not just a, an upset win. That 18 legs normally wins you, well, does normally win you a world match play. Obviously, Gary Anderson yeah. testified to that not being the case against Mensor, but most of the time, 18 legs wins you a world match play and it wins you a World Darts Championship quarter final. Scott Williams is into his maiden PDC World Darts Championship semi final, beating Michael Van Gogh. Let's hear from Yeah, I kind of, um, I can kind of tell whilst we were bullied up and doing the practice in the, in the little practice room we have. Um, he was always just that little bit off constantly. Um, but again, the same as soon as the crowd got involved, that's when I started playing my darts. It's late on in the game, travel, travel, all constantly. So, but like I said, it's, it's not about what he does, especially in this game. It's about what I do, and I, I hit the doubles, I hit the trouble twenties, and I'm through to tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, possibly, absolutely possibly. Uh, but at the same time, he knew that he wasn't going to get an easy game from me. Um, the stage, I, you know, you guys have watched me for the last two, three, four games. I love that stage. And he makes it tough up there because he's such a presence. But at the same time, like, if I give it back to him, because people are scared of him on that stage. People genuinely don't like playing him because he's so... He's such a threat on that stage. I wasn't going to let that happen today. So, and I didn't, and it worked in my favour. He talked about that stage there. And I mean, I remember, of course, in the pre-match interview with the host broadcaster, Sky, how much he was looking forward to it. He owned that stage tonight against a crowd that, I've got to be honest, was very pro-MVG. There was a lot of Europeans there in that uh, crowd tonight. Very I wonder why I've been supporting him after. <laughs> well, yes. And we'll come on to Luke Humphreys as well in a bit, of course, obviously. Yeah. Um, he owned that stage tonight, I thought. Yeah, he did. He, he looked like it was his stage up there, not anyone else's. And he, I think you were slightly worried and giving him a little bit too much when he was 4-3 up um, as he was coming off the stage for the break. But yes. I think that was just how comfortable he felt up there at that point, that he felt like he could take his time and just actually enjoy it a little bit, even as he was walking off for the break, when it wasn't won at that point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just a quick one before we move on. Can he do it tomorrow? It's very rare that people beat MDG and then back it up the next day. They normally crap themselves. But, I mean, obviously, he's got to play Luke Humphreys, which we will come on to a little bit later. By the way, spoiler alert, if you don't already know. 
Um, but if you don't already know why you're watching us, but <laughs> or listening, to be fair, or listening, yeah, uh, hello to podcast listeners, of course. Um, can he do it tomorrow? Um, I don't think he'll crap himself. I don't think that will be the issue, but I don't think he does it tomorrow. We'll come on to predictions at the end, but I don't think he does it tomorrow. But I think that is nothing to do with the way he's going to play tomorrow. Just a reminder, of course, by the way, before we move on to our next game, that you can watch all the interviews with all four quarterfinal winners tonight on our YouTube channel. If you're watching us live, you can select the videos and watch them uh, over there. And if you listen to the podcast, you do, all you need to do is search online darts on YouTube and you will be able to find them all there. And speaking of quarterfinal winners, how in the, to, to borrow a phrase from Jeremy Clarkson, how in the name of all that is holy, did Rob Cross win that World Darts Championship first quarter final? Utterly ridiculous. Uh, next question, please, because I don't have the answer for that one. Because, um, to be honest, there's a lot of people saying that Chris Dobby possibly... I don't think he did, to be honest. It wasn't a massive drop-off from how he was playing at 4 and up and how he was playing, other than set two, obviously, but nobody's going to keep up with 122 average <laughs> for any particular period of time, if I can get my words on. Um, yeah, so I don't think he hugely dropped off, and I thought he was still right in there, but Rob Cross just, from 4-0 down, was just, he just uh, sort of, he made his way into the game, just got a set on the board, and then got another set on the board, and he just looked like he just crept in there, but once it got to 4-3, body language-wise at least, he, he looked like he, he really, really fancied it at that point. He thought, I'm in this now. Literally, I was set behind. If I win it, I've then got the throw in the final set, which obviously isn't as much of a advantage as it is in every other set. But even so, it just looked like he thought, I can get through this here. This is, this is mine now at this point. Now, the two of them are so similar that if you actually look at the way that they've been, uh, their, their careers, if you like, are intertwined. But look at the numbers from this game. Cross averaged 99.84. Dobie averaged 107. Cross hit 47 100 pluses. Dobie hit 46. Cross hit 23 of them. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, uh, the other way around, sorry. Uh, Dobie hit 99.84 average, 107.7 uh, average for Cross. 47-46 in favour of Cross on the 100 pluses, 23-26 uh, in favour of Cross on the 140s, 17 to, the ten, to 10 on the 180s from Dobie, 27 overall. You look at Dobie, he had a set average in set four of 121.9. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think he even played that badly after set four. I no, he didn't. That's, that's what I was saying. He certainly didn't bottle it. Like, it it wasn't that he completely fell apart and averaged 70 for sets like MVG did when he got up there tonight. It was it was still solid. And I think it was only the very last leg where he, he did probably fall off a little bit in that leg once Cross had gone out into a lead in that final leg. That His, his average dropped below 100 and that was the first time in the entire match that he hadn't been above it. Yeah, I think, I think to be honest, right, looking back on it, Dobie genuinely will be gutted. He missed the ball for the match dart at four. It would have been five. Uh, it would have been five two, I think. At that, that point. was a very, very well thrown dart as well. He I missed mean, it one millimeters, didn't it, he? Well, it's, it's one millimeter that. If it hits the wire, it probably goes on the inside of it. Like yes. and it was touching the outside of the wire. Um, yeah, that was a that was a very well thrown dart. But then all of a sudden, it's three more legs you've got to win to get over the line, and at no point did he manage to do that. I mean, Jen, how gutted? I mean, I know it's a stupid question, but how gutted are you going to be? If you're a Chris Dobie at this ah. point, how gutted? Oh, I'll be honest, the, the darts would have been in the bin. Yeah. Uh, literally, they'd have been in the bin, and then I'd have gone to watch the football, and I'd be fuming now as well, because they've just got beat at that as well. <laughs> it's not been a good day for Chris Dobie. Not been a good day for Geordies, uh, let's put it that way. Uh We'll come Speaking of that, Dan Simpson, are you in the chat? Because you were, you were struggling a little bit earlier on with it and I've not spoken to you since the football. James, hold fire on the question because that will be we debated. Will come back to that. We will come back to that. Hold fire, definitely. Um, right, move on to Cross. 
this had echoes of so many brilliant games that Cross has been involved in down the years. The one that automatically sticks out, because I was there for both of them, but I was there for this one in, in the crowd. The 2018 World Darts Championship quarterfinal against Dimitri Vandenberg, he raced into a 4-0 lead. Then we came back to 4-4. The difference there was that Cross was able to get over the line. And of course, having survived match darts against Michael Smith before the rest of that tournament and all the rest of it. And it also echoed the 2019 World Match Play semi-final when Gurney was two legs away from beating him in Blackpool. And he came off and reeled off a spell that, uh, that will live long in the memory and then raced off and won the first eight legs of the World Match Play final and basically beat Michael Smith before, before he was out the door. Um, yeah, he's, um, he just doesn't know when he's beaten, does he? Ever. And, and, and that's what I was going to talk about. He loves coming through close games. You remember, obviously, the, the greatest game I still think ever played on the Alexandra Palace stage, which is the, the 2018 semi-final against Van Gerwen with the 1-6-1 for the ball. Van Gerwen's going to be on 41 for the set. Van Gerwen missing six match starts and Cross getting over the line. He knows how to do it in the pressure cooker moments. Yeah, he absolutely That is a very dangerous place for Rob Cross to be when you're in a last four as wide open as this. Yeah, when, again, spoiler alert, the next game, you're playing a kid that's having his first ever time up on that stage. Obviously, he's come through a lot of games. Unbelievable what he's done so far, literally for a 16-year-old. But having to hold it together against someone whose level will stay as good as it will throughout, like Rob Cross, and who will, when it comes down to it in the big moments, hit the shots that he needs to hit at the right time, it's a whole different ballgame to anything he's faced so far. First time as well that anyone has come back from 4-0 down in any World Darts Championship game, be that PDC, BDO, WDS. I think it's only ever happened once before for anyone to come back from four sets down, isn't it? Which was Eddie Lewis from 5-1 down on in Wingate against, against old um, Wadey Boy. Yes, that's probably the only other occasion, but no player has ever done it before today. Rob Cross moves into his first PDC World Arts Championship semi-final since the year he won it on debut. Let's hear from you. Yeah, as, as I got closer, I actually thought to myself, do you know what, this is on, because I've still got my best to go. You're the first player to ever come back from 4-0 down to win a World Championship quarter-final. So what does that say about you as a player? I love being different. That's why I won the World Championship at the first attempt, you know. I love I love being different. I'll always be different. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> and they're, all, they're all fantastic, you know. It, yeah, if I put the video out there, honestly, it choked me yesterday, let alone what it do to me now talking about it. Um, yeah, just special, you know, really special. Very, very special indeed. Someone else who is very special, and I apologise for being this sort of person and happen to talk about it continually, but we can't not. The fact that this is the third item on our running order just shows you what how ridiculous today's already been. Um, did you know, by the way, Luke, there's only 16? I did hear someone mention it. Um, I think Sky have mentioned it, I don't know, about 200 times. I'm not sure. I need to keep counting. You know how they keep counting on tournament 180s? Let's yeah. see how many times. I think they should do that on how many times they mentioned New Littler is 16. But, yeah, my someone, God. someone mentioned before we should have a, a Littler alarm instead of a Barney alarm. Um, I, I think it would wear out very quickly um, because <laughs> he's doing that many big things right now that I don't think, I don't think the alarm has got the facilities for that big man. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Yes, Malachi, he is 17 this month. Absolutely right. Uh, and he could be, well, he is the youngest PDC World Arts Championship semi-finalist in history. He's two games away. He is 13 sets, which is mad. I don't think we will ever, ever see this record beaten, by the way, in terms of youngest semi-finalist. Um, it's going to take something ridiculous, maybe, maybe in about... I don't know, give it 20 years when he's got a 16-year-old himself, maybe, possibly. Yes. Um, that might be that. The thing is, is this, right, about about the game, and obviously it's a ridiculous achievement. 5-1 victory over Brendan Dolan. It's another ton-plus average. He's only 
I think I remember I, yeah, reading the stat rightly from Darts Oracle during the game that he's only the third player ever, sorry, fourth player ever, to hit 105 plus average in two games at this World Championship. Uh, the likes, uh, the only other three are nobodies really. Phil Taylor, Michael Van Gerwen, and Gary Anderson. Don't know if you've ever heard of them. I think they were jobbers mostly. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't, I don't think any of them will ever go on to do anything either. No, uh, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, what the thing is, is right. I'll be, I'll be straight with you all here, everybody, both viewer and listener. I got him at fifty to one. Okay, I, I got him each way. I thought, why not have a punt on him? Because I actually saw him in an open when he was 15 just and I was blown away by just the sheer talent of the boy we've all seen him as well if you've watched the Moda Super Series just how ridiculous the boy is but to do that on that stage at that time in your longest ever match and he wasn't ever under any pressure it's bonkers well, they keep they keep talking on Sky about well, it's going to be his longest ever match, and yeah. and it keeps being his longest ever match, but only just because he he's not playing any extra sets at any point than what he has to. Um, he's keeping everything. He's winning big and winning easy. Um, and as good as he was today, it was a bit of a gift. This one wasn't it. Um, and I'm going to apologise to all Brendan Dolan fans for that. Because you, men- you mentioned 50 to 1 there. Um, <laughs> on whatever night it was, I've lost track with what day is what at the moment. It may have been Saturday night, was it? Saturday night. Um, mm. You could still get 50 to 1 on Brendan Dolan at that point. And I thought, realistically, playing someone as steady as Brendan is usually and how good he'd been throughout the tournament at hitting shots when he needed to and, and winning the big moments, I thought 50 to 1 was a ridiculous price considering that if he had gone and won, that we'd be, would have dropped to about five to one immediately, and it's just an easy cash out win. Um, yeah, he's he's just didn't turn up though, did he? Outside of the two big finishes, it was it was really average from Dolan. It's been a good tournament for him, good bit of prize money, but today was was not his day, and I don't know whether it was just I don't know what it was to be honest, um, because. Well, look at Jamie's question there. I mean, it's not that he's now come up there and the moment's got to him in the fact that he's playing someone that everyone's talking about. He's just played Gezi and Gary Anderson. Like, the moment's as big against them two as it, as it ever is against Lipton. And I don't know whether it's just the fact that it's now a huge chance to make your first semi-final that it's just got to him a little bit. He was doing all the right things last night. He was drinking... Coca-Cola with his evening meal on, on New Year's Eve. So he he put that up on, on socials. So done all doing all the right things and tried to do the right thing and it's just it's just not come off for him. And you get days like that sometimes and it just doesn't doesn't quite work. But solid year for him. Probably a little bit of an opportunity missed, but even if he had played well and played mid nineties, he probably would have still got beat. The thing is, right, is that when are we going to talk about everybody else who everyone says, well, Brennan Dolan didn't average anything. This person didn't average anything. When are we just all going to accept the fact that this player is the best talent at his age that probably has ever come onto a dartboard? No, I said no, he's absolutely the best talent there's ever been. Yeah, everyone could compare him to MVG. I think, again, Occupedia, uh, Christopher Kemp, who's the PDC stats, actually compared the two when they played Barnabelle. In the World Masters, MVG played Barney and lost 6-3 in, this, in that game. And obviously, we know what happened with Littler and Barney on Saturday. But granted, obviously, Barney was is at his peak then, now not so. But when are we just going to accept the fact that... And everyone's bored already about the Littler chat, and I get that. But generational talents don't come around very often. That is literally the definition of the word generational. Yeah, This kid has the potential... The potential, I'm not saying it will happen, but he has the potential to be the greatest ever to pick up a dart by the time he is 35. He could win with the sheer ridiculousness of his talent. He could win the next 19 World Darts Championships. I'm convinced of it. It obviously is not going to happen. But no. And it takes a lot more than just sheer talent to go and 
dominate for an extended period of time. One one of the lads lads in our chat who's not a huge darts fan but sort of follows the big events um, was asked me that before. He was like, "Is he is he genuinely going to be the best ever?" I was like, "He's got the talent to be." But there's a lot more that goes on to be able to sustain it for the period of time to be talking about him in the same breath as as some of the others. And no, I completely agree with that. Um, that that's just gone up there from Joel. It doesn't matter who he's played. It's his first time on a world championship championship stage, and he's in a world championship semi final with an opportunity to go and win it. Do I think he will actually go and win it? I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, it's gonna. He's gonna. I mean, you look at how well Rob Cross and Luke Humphreys are playing. You are. It's gonna take two monumental performances. But he has those performances in him, and he's already done it a couple of times on this stage. Now, a couple of things. First of all, I agree with that comment that I was showing you, Joel, that the that the Humphreys, uh, sorry, that the Littler run shouldn't be discredited because. My argument to that every time is look at who it doesn't matter what happened, you have to beat the people that's put in front of you. Yeah. Take for example. At the end of the at the end of the tournament, no one is going to care. And in future times, all it will ever say is whoever won the tournament. Because this is my argument when I come back to take, for example, another sport. I always come back to the Euro 2020 run for England. Everyone could say, yes, okay, who do they beat? They played Croatia, an aging Croatia side. Drew to Scotland and beat uh, Slovakia or Slovenia, one of the two. They beat an ancient Germany side, they beat Ukraine, and then they beat Denmark. It doesn't matter. They were the ones that got through. The other teams didn't do their job. In the same breath for France, look four years before then. They played Albania, I think Romania, and Switzerland, I think. Then played the Republic of Ireland, Iceland, and then again, the world champions, okay, fair enough, in Germany. It's not their fault that they played who they played. Other people yeah. didn't do their job. And that's the point that I'm trying to make here about Luke Littler. We, I'm going well, to move on very quickly. Sorry, go on. Bear yeah. in mind, he's, he's playing people that have beaten the people that he's meant to be going and playing and going and beating. So it doesn't matter what their ranking is, the people he's playing, because they've already gone out there, the people he's playing, and beaten the higher-ranked players. So they're clearly playing very well as well. Yeah, right. We need to move it on because we have to, unfortunately, discuss the P word and Luke Littler. More on that to come. Let's hear from the man himself. First. I would have thought I was playing Gezi or Anderson, but wasn't to be. And Brendan was just another opponent in my way and I've pushed him aside. Now I'm into the semi-final. I've seen a, I've seen what, what the Premier League does. You have like Monday, Tuesday, Pro Tours, and then Wednesdays, the Euro Tour qualifiers, and then you've got the Premier League, the weekends, Euro Tour. So... And the PDC are going to keep me out of it because <laughs> that'll be just grueling, like everyone has said. He has got such an old head on young shoulders, and that's not in a reference to the fact that everyone's going on about the fact he looks older than he is. What I mean is, he is so level headed and a very, very smart young lad, and he knows for a fact the best thing for him this year, first year on tour, is not to be in the travelling circus. However, but it may not be his choice. However, I, with the best one in the world to Luke, and I genuinely mean this, I don't care. He is box office. Box office. The kid Absolutely. is box office. Okay. And it's not just me, by the way, who thinks that. Yeah, yeah. I've got my eight players here for you. Uh, and yes, I would, because he's box office. He'll, he'll sell tickets out and go and ask that public in there. And I keep Peter Wright in as well, by the way. I know there's questions about, you know, should we? And da, 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 da. I know he's not playing great. He should do what I didn't do, though. When I got picked the second time, I knew I wasn't right. But you do get a good money for playing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. 
like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. In the Premier League, and it was a year and a half salary of being a housing manager just for coming last. Peter Wright won't want to do what I did and finish on zero points and probably end your career by making that decision. But I think um, I think he deserves to be in it. Uh, he still had a great year, you know. I mean, a European champion and two other titles on top of that. And you know, the talk of him not being in the Premier League, I think, is just a little premature. And uh, I'd have Peter Wright and Luke Littler in. Uh, but I need we need. Littler in. He's the biggest thing since Fallon. You know, just now I'm on this media side of things, I can see what's happening on social media. Trending number one. Mbappe number two. Yeah. I mean, you know, the roar of laughter that came in the media room when that happened was was unbelievable. So let's see how the tournament goes, but look, my, my answer is I want Luke Littler in. That's exactly my thoughts as well. And by the way, I must say a massive congratulations to Glenn Durham. He had just been named the PDPA uh, Chairperson and CEO. Very well deserved. A absolutely amazing man. Really cares about the players and the tour. Will fully deserve that role. Congratulations well to Alan Warren and Lickhoff who's been moved into the President's role. Right. Reaction to that. Glenn is bang on for money. And I and I and when Glenn Durant speaks, I listen because he he's becoming him and Dan Dawson are my favorite pair at the moment on Skycoms. They are by a, by a country mile. Brilliant. Now, I get the argument here from people that will say, have patience, do this, do that. But the sport, the sport needs talents like this. The sport needs its box office stars. Do I think they will put him in the Premier League unless he goes and wins the world, in which case they'll have no choice but to do that? Personally, I don't think they will. But should they? Absolutely. You tell me. Yeah. You, sorry, I just, here's a question for you. Sorry, mate. You tell me eight players that are more marketable and better to watch at this current moment than Luke Littler. You cannot do that. He no. would sell out arenas. He would bring light to a format that, apart from a few keyboard warriors, say that they've gone stale. Yes, Matt Porter, we're looking at you. Now, I'm, I, I'm just saying, right, they would bring – and the biggest media partner that's, that the PDC have would want the biggest star in darts currently right now – and yes, there is that meme going around on Twitter of that bloke who always looked behind that woman with uh, Fallon Sherrick, oh, uh, yeah. Sherrick and Sky Sports darts and Luke that's hilarious. But Sky would want him in the Premier League. And I think that I, I am not normally, I am not one of these people that say put players that do well in the world in the Premier League. I was not one to say Jamie Lewis should be in it. I certainly didn't say that Gabriel Clement should have been in there last year. But when you have a generational talent, a man that has the best talent probably ever in darts, you can't put him in. Yeah, I I get that side of it. For him, I don't think it's the right move. However, like let's be honest, for him to get in, he's probably going to have to win it. Well, if he makes the finals, probably probably got a good chance still of getting in. However, if he does, bear in mind he's sixteen years old. He doesn't need the money of it right now either, by any stretch. Um, he's got more money than most 16-year-olds will ever look at. Um, with what he's going to win from this tournament, plus what he'd already won this year through Super Series and the rest of it, um, he certainly doesn't need to rush anything. But, like you said, it is the time to put him in there if you want to make the very most money out of it as a corporation and as a broadcaster. And the same way they should have done it with Fallon after her original run, because it was well, the first... They put her in for a night. That's not the yes. same. Put She should have gone in for the full tournament, because at that point, the same as Luke is right now, she was the biggest star in darts. And that's 
there is a there is a massive element of striking while the iron's hot on this and going and getting the most out of it you possibly can. Because if he has two more good years, it's a solid year next year, maybe wins with picks up an event and or does has a really good year on the Pro Tour or European Tour or anything like that, then he's still gonna be a massive star because he's still so young and he's still able to do it. But he won't be the star he is right now doing what he's doing right now. And it won't bring the same sort of money in at that point. So and plus, you never know what could happen. I mean, yeah. so he could get an injury tomorrow and touch wood, God forbid, hope that it doesn't happen to any player out there. But he could get, any, get an injury tomorrow and like, say he gets a tendon injury in his elbow or his wrist. And we've seen with other players how long it takes to recover from that. Nathan Aspinall went away for a very long time while he was waiting for his wrist to improve and surgery and the rest of it and whether you ever become the same player again at that point because your action might have to change and you lose everything you've got it, just because he is the amazing talent he is there's no guarantee that that turns into anything else because you never know what's around the corner and I completely understand your point of view that it is from a media point of view it's the right time to do it and and does have got that spot on spot on there as well and the same with Peter Wright Peter Wright again not short of a few quid because he doesn't get to spend any of it because, as he said the other day, his missus only gives him a little bit of spending money each week as well. Um, yeah. But he doesn't need the money. But also, you, are you going to turn it down if it's there? Of course I'm not. certainly not doing Of course not. Um, by the way, Andrew's absolutely bang on here. The Premier League subsidises all the secondary tours. They have to maximise the revenue from it. You're absolutely yeah. bang on. No matter what you think of the Premier League, and most people know my thoughts on the Premier League here, uh, on online darts, uh, it is a massive, massive event. It's the second biggest event for the PDC in terms of the amount of revenue it generates. It is huge. Um, before you go, uh, before we go on and talk about Humphreys uh, Chisnell, what do you think in the comments, by the way? Do you want to see Luke Litter in the frame? That is the question. Answers in the comments. We'll put some up in just a moment. While you're doing that, I just want to say a massive thank you uh, to our Fallout Bar sponsor for the PDC World Darts Championship. And that, of course, is Paddy Power. They're the official sponsors of the tournament and are offering the best bets throughout the event, including that if you place a bet on a hashtag what's on Paddy special in a particular session, you will get a free bet in your account with a nine data hit in that session. Also, some great hand starts as well with the hashtag what's on Paddy special. You can check out Paddy Power throughout the rest of the tournament. For the semifinals and the final, you can get all the best offers for the tournament via the free to download app, via the website or in shop. And don't forget, as always, make sure you are 18 years of age or over and be gambleaware.org. Um, right, we will come on in a second. Have we lost Mr. Charlotte Ethan? Or have I lost him? And can you not hear me? No, you've lost me. Yeah, you've you've frozen. It's a lovely picture that you've frozen on, but um I can still hear you. Right, I'll, I'll try and come back in and come back out again. This is exactly how it should work. Always yeah. does with this bloody thing. Right, see you shortly. So yeah, we've lost Mr. Charlotte Ethan, but um he's given a lovely little talk about Paddy Power there and great offers. As we always say, gamble responsibly. Don't bet anything that you can't afford to lose, but take advantage of some cracking offers as some of us have done throughout this tournament. Just having a quick look in the comments now, as I am not running the show, I can't actually put any of them up on the screen. Um, but in terms of We'll go, we'll go with what Tommy's asking first of all. Where are those darts on the board? That is a one-two-one behind me there. I am a 19s thrower, as some of you may know already. Uh, I did bottle the last dart completely. It was the first two in, and then there's one horribly high up in the seven. In terms of... Oh, now we've got me looking uh, there's probably a closer look there at the one two one uh, for anyone if you can see what i can see here any chance of mr jarlathies and rejoining us
this is a it's a terrible view um, of me as we are right now. Who wants Littler in the Prem? Has anyone actually answered that question? Hetter for his walk-ons. Dimi instead of Littler, we've got from Andrew. Uh, not from Maliki, sorry. Um, Hello. Charlotte Eaton's back. I was fumbling my way through that because I couldn't get any of the comments up either. Sorry about that, everyone. My laptop decided to die, probably because I was talking about betting, but yes, gamble responsibly. Right, yes. moving on, <laughs> quickly, because we've got so much still to talk about. Uh, like I say, if you do want to get uh, comments in about Lou Littler uh, in the Premier League, uh, put them in the chat room and we will try and read something out before we leave the air tonight. But talking about another Luke, and that is Luke Humphreys. He is a 5-1 winner over David Chisnell. The Yellow Warrior is gone. Um, I've got to say, probably the most uneventful game of the day, if I'm being brutally honest. Everyone expected Humphreys to bash him, and he did. Yeah, it was very comfortable. And I don't think I was massively in the corner of that I expected Luke to bash him, just because... We hadn't seen Luke's best so far in this tournament, other than when he absolutely needed it to get himself past Petretko when he was in a world of trouble. Um, however, this was somewhere like it, and this was really, really solid from him throughout in this game. And like I say, Chissy was just never in it, was he? There was a couple of opportunities for him to win sets, but I think even if he'd taken them, I just don't think he was throwing well enough um, that he was going to be able to beat Humphreys up there tonight. And... He's doing what he's done for the last couple of tournaments that he's won as well. He's played he's playing solid enough in the early stages, but when he's getting towards the end, he's playing better and better. Not peaking too soon, and he looks dangerous now. This is the thing for me about Humphreys. I mean, yeah, he was deservedly tournament favourite uh, after the uh, after the World Championship uh, after the uh, Players Championship Finals. Obviously, winning his third tournament within fifty days, he's now gone on a seven. Team match unbeaten streak. And yes, Chisnell beat him on the floor a number of times in big finals, but we all know what happens to David Chisnell when it comes to television major titles, unfortunately. So, um, as I say, not quite sure where to go with this now for Luke Humphreys. That's 17 games unbeaten. Madness. Yeah, it is a. It's a run that we've not seen from anyone for a very long time. Including, bear in mind that until until very recently, he didn't have a TV major to his name. And now he's almost unbeatable on the stage, the way he's playing at the moment. Um, it's, it's really impressive from him. It was just really solid today. There were 12 180s, but there were monumental number of 140s in there as well. Um, it just has an ability to just stay sort of level and just keep doing what he's doing, not get too high, not get too low, and just make sure that when it comes down to it, he's the one that are cleaning things up. There were a couple of missed doubles at, at crucial times, but he didn't get punished on them. And if you don't punish on your opportunities when you get them, you're not going to beat Luke Humphreys anymore. Well, there you go. Here's a comment there from Joel when he says, Chizzy played very well after the first set. I think the game was was won, I think, in the fifth set. Both came through, I think, average about Luke was averaging under 10. Dave was averaging under 13. And then in the deciding leg, it was Dave, uh, Luke Humphreys that won it and eventually came through 4-1. And at that point, Dave knew he was gone, uh, to be brutally honest. Um <laughs> We'll talk about tournament favourites in a little bit with our friends at Paddy Power. But first of all, let's hear it from our final semi-finalist. That is Luke No, because I just didn't think Michael was there tonight. I felt like he, I felt like he was going to lose. You know, when it was like two all, Scott looked really good. He, he didn't relent. He felt really, um, you know, comfortable up there, and it didn't it didn't look the same Michael that we used to. And. Uh, you know, he's been a fantastic player over the last 10 years. He'll be back next year winning loads. You know, we all know that. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that you can be excited when Michael loses because Scott uh, played fantastic. And that just means I've got a really, really tough game tomorrow as well. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before, but I think being world number one is fantastic. But I could be world number one for three weeks. If I'm world champion, I'm that forever. 
So, you know, I can't look into to being world number one. I'm here to be world champion. Um, and if I am world champion, then we'll be world number one. You know, so like, like I said, if, you, if you're world number one, that, that could last for a couple of months. You know, being world champion always lasts forever. So as much as that would be a massive feat for me tomorrow, I won't be thinking about it because, you know, being world champion is, is higher on my list and I'd give the accolade I had in, in my back pocket to, to be world champion. So that means more than anything. And it also means that Luke Humphreys is the tournament favourite again with our title sponsors of Padded Power. There you see Luke Little at 15 to 8, uh, which is utterly ridiculous. Uh, Rob Cross is 4 to 1, despite being the only world champion left in the field. And Scott Williams, the outsider, at 12 to 1. Luke Humphreys there, of course, is on the market at evens with Paddy Power. Justified or not? I understand why, bearing in mind the run that he's on and what he's won recently. But I'm not having Bobby Cross being four, the four to one third favourite at the moment in this tournament. And I think that's a great bit of value that I will definitely be having a piece of very shortly. Well, Jordan has actually come out with a stat here that is quite interesting. That he says uh, Rob Cross was forty to one at Fordall Down. If anyone felt what? brave enough, God, if you got on that price, my word, you could be in for an interesting one there. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been backing it at that time because there was. <laughs> I just thought Dolby was playing too well to let him win five sets on the bounce. However, yeah, after after it, that four to one just looks a. Lovely, lovely price. Well, I'm very happy because I got Luke Little for 51 each way and uh, I should be getting some money back. So that is always good for the semi-finals. What, what each way have you got, though? What terms have you got? Only, five, you only get, a five so. Did you get top four, though? I think so. Or is it final? So. Uh, it, def, it, it, definitely was with and, it definitely was with Paddy Power and not with a, another bookmaker, of course. Yeah, uh, obviously. Because... Yes. Said bookmaker uh, is available every day if you catch my drift. Yeah, sounds um, like set four, six, nine. Correct, <laughs> but definitely going back to Paddy Power but quickly because otherwise we're going to get in trouble. Right, uh, because actually, <laughs> they, would, they, would, they would actually be really good odds actually on that one. I still think Luke Luke at fifteen to eight is a very good price actually. Uh, to be brutally honest on that. Um, but yes, uh, that is the tournament outright odds there with Paddy Power. We're going to move on and talk about the semi-finals. Uh, it's going to be played in the order they were played today. So the first semi-final, uh, starting off at 7.30 GMT tomorrow night, is Rob Cross against Luke Littler. If you had this at the start of the tournament, please pick us the lottery numbers because I absolutely don't believe you. Uh, I certainly don't believe if you had Scott Williams against Luke Humphreys. Maybe lead you with Luke Humphreys, definitely not with Scott Williams. Um, ah, what do we do here then? Because uh, my head's telling me one thing and my heart's telling me another. You mean you, your bet's telling you one thing and your head's telling you that you're probably not getting any further? <laughs> I could not possibly comment. I just... Your predictions, by the way, in the comments, by the way, we'll put some up. Yeah, I just. I can't see past Rob Cross here. I think with with Littler, we will see drop-offs. Whereas with Cross, I think he'll maintain about that 100 average throughout again. And when it comes down to it, I think that's that consistency is what's going to do it for him. Because we and haven't because seen... Of, I was just going to say, we haven't seen Littler under pressure at all, really. The only sort of mini pressure that he came under was against Gilding when he nearly had a chance at set darts. And obviously Matt Campbell had chances at set darts as well. He's never actually been behind in this tournament. No. No, and as as one of the lads asked me earlier, said what happens if he ends up two sets down? I mean it's very difficult to end up two sets down when in the second set you average 122. But it could happen. And at that point it's then a very different game and him doing what he's done a very good job of throughout this one, which is staying sort of in the moment and not getting too ahead of himself and sort of enjoying it up there. If all of a sudden you're two sets down, that's a lot harder to do and harder to keep yourself in that same moment. I don't actually think you'll go behind early on in this game. 
but I think he will get beat. And I think it will just be the relentlessness of, of Rob Cross that wins him this game 6-4. 6-4, 7-1 with, with Paddy Power, if anyone wants to follow that. Interesting. Okay. I am going to go with my heart here and say that... Well, I don't know. Like, no, I don't know. Because I don't know whether he can keep this up. Because he's had breaks in between every day, really, apart from the first two days. But that was because they were only playing three sets then. They're not playing first to, first to three. Certainly not. Bear in mind, though, he's 16. Like, I said this earlier in the in the tournament. At 16, I was playing three rounds of golf in a day. Like, he can stand up there and play two days in a row. He's not going to be a worry for him. It's amazing, by the way, to see how different the chat room is going. And then we've got that. It's probably an even split currently at the moment. Tommy's saying Luke, uh, Luke to win 6-3. A lot of also people, a lot of people are also getting on your 6-4 prediction. Cam Nels is saying that. Joel is saying that. Daniel's going 6-3. Malachi's going 6-4. Littler. Uh, Chris is saying 6-3. Cross. Uh, as is Anthony. Bob's going 6-4. Cross. Luke played afternoon today, so big gap to rest, but yes, so did Rob Cross. And yes, of yeah. course, five four thriller, but uh... it was before Littler's game as well. Yeah. Um really? I just think it. It, it, it says one massive thing for Luke Littler this and get this out there first, is the fact that I can't stay away, can he? He just has to be involved somewhere. Yeah. Um yeah, I just think it says a massive thing for him that the worst loss that anyone's giving him. He's getting three sets off a world champion that's playing very, very well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, do you know what the worst thing is? I actually agree with him. And that's a very worrying thing. So we now know what happens. Get back your money on the hill on Rob Cross, who's second favourite, by the way, which is just ludicrous. But I actually agree with that score prediction. That was the one I had in my head. I think it'd be 6 3. I think there's going to be multiple deciding legs. And I think. I think, think that Luke's going to come out on more top of them. But I think it's going to go, there's going to be lots of deciding legs. They're both going to average around the ton mark. I think the biggest difference to me is that Cross sometimes comes up dry a little bit too much when he's going for the cover shots. Luke Littler has a marriage made in heaven with Treble 19 currently at the moment. He does. Cover shots. And I think that what, is going to be the telling difference. What, one question is, the... If anyone at Paddy Power is listening to us right now, we need a market on the over or under on the one six twos on all three treble eighteens. Because <laughs> both of them love that visit. Uh, they both absolutely. How many times are we going to see them both on three or two after nine, and both hit a one six two and leave the one forty? Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, Chris saying there he's not played a top fourteen player. No, he hasn't. But I've, he's played but, all the players that have beat them. Yeah, exactly. So. That's not his fault for a kickoff, as we said earlier in the show. But also, I don't think it matters. He's that good of a thing yet. And you're right, Jamie. Luke hasn't been under any scoreboard pressure. You're absolutely right. I don't think that that is going to have to change. And Nels, I also agree that that's going to be the case. It is going to be interesting if he goes behind. But I don't think he will go behind early on in the contest. I think he will come out firing. There'll be a couple of sets where he will drop off because we've seen that happen throughout the tournament. But I genuinely believe that we're going to see a 16-year-old in the World Darts Championship final, which is just ludicrous. Um, yeah. What I don't think is going to be too ludicrous is my next pick. Uh, do you know what? I, I was gutted in a way that MVG went out tonight because I, I was going to really hope that it was going to be MVG versus Litter in the final. And it was going to be like that Phil Taylor MVG final in 2013, a generational talent match. Yeah. You know, it be a passing of the torch, as it were. But... I mean, this next game, I think, is probably one of the easiest to call. Not because of uh, the way that Humphreys uh, has been playing throughout the tournament, but I just think that Scott Williams has been so up for that game against uh, Luke Humphreys. I just can't see... Sorry, I just can't see him repeating that uh, tomorrow night. Score predictions for the next... Um, for the other semi-final in the, in the comments, but I think this is a very comfortable win for Luke Humphreys. Won't be a classic. I think Humphreys will just about do enough, but I think Scott will... Will just wilt under that pressure of potentially getting to a final. Humphreys win six two. Oh, I was going to go six two as well. I just oh, I don't even think I don't even think he wilts. I think that it is just that Luke is is too good. I just think that Scott will play well. 
and he'll give himself some opportunities, but just won't be able to give himself enough. And at the risk, I, I, I don't. Let's not agree on this on the same prediction. Um, that's far too far too boring, isn't it? Six one. Wow, going going that we were set. Yeah, but he only gets a set. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Daniel's going the same score line as me, 6-2 Luke. Uh, Bob's going 6-3 to Humphrey, 6-2 again. I think 6-2 is the most popular score. Uh, out of interest, what's that looking like on Paddy? 6-2 six, six, Humphreys? Two. I've got it in front of me, but it, my app's just refreshed on me. Give me one second. We'll do. It, uh, it is 6-2 to Luke Humphreys. is 7-2. Same value, about 6-1. to one. They are the two most favoured score lines in the betting i wonder what the correct score double is if we go six two and six three rob uh, six three luke littler do that while uh, i go that's all right yours if we double yes. yours you would be looking at where is littler six six three littler did you go yeah six three yeah yeah um you are looking at 28.25 to one on that one that's not bad at all take that and then yours. we want to we want to double mine up, then I went six. I have six four across. I did, didn't I? Yes, you did. Yep. Yeah. Four across six one Humphreys. You are looking at thirty five to one on the nose on that one. Wow, there we go. Happy days. So uh, you could be very rich with us uh, if you back us, but if you do back us, I should say that if you back £10 on any of our predictions, uh, what happens is that you lose £10. But yes. gamble responsibly. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. Um, yeah. Nels has gone 6 4 Williams, by the way. So he thinks that Scott Williams is actually going to win the game. So fair enough. Uh, Tommy's gone 6 4 Humphreys. Joel's also agreeing with you, Cam, 6 1 Humphreys. Uh, a lot of people going for Humphreys. Chris, though, is going for a last leg decider. Last set decider. Five uh, on that one. Uh, oh, Chris, and... you, Chris, you've got to do what everyone that predicts a last set decider has to do and tell us how many legs it's going in that last set as well. Are we going all the way to 11? Absolutely. Absolutely right. Uh, and yes, Tommy, all four of them of the World Darts Championship uh, semi-finalists are English. Which the last exactly. five left in were as well. If you include, um, if you include in the uh, whoever Humphreys just beat, uh, who did Humphreys just beat? Dave Chisnell. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, I've it's been a lot. We've been, it, we've been on for an hour. My head went. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of the last time that it did happen. Actually, in all English semi-final lineup, uh, I'm struggling. Yeah, it's, it's not immediately coming to mind. Um, I was going to say 2018, but obviously it's not because Cross played MBG in the semi and Taylor played Lewis, who's Welsh. Um, I am very much struggling. I'm going to I'm going to say it's got to be pre Ali Pali days, you'd think, because every of the finalists, all the other finals. Yeah, I don't think there's been yep. an all English final at the Alexandra Palace. Apart from maybe AD against Andy Hamilton, 2012. That could be the last time. No, 2006. Thank you, Malachi. Thank you very, very much. There we go. Last at the, at the, uh, this is what the Alex. chat is here for. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. So, yeah, this will be the second All-English final, I think, at the Alexandra Palace. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> someone's, just, someone's just said one that I'm surprised you've not thrown up on that. Because, you know, it's, uh, when it comes to certain sports that you like to have your different allegiance, especially mm. in the rugby um, and the football. Uh, but someone's just said that England will still find a way to bottle it. <laughs> and on that bombshell, let's uh, go, because uh, I want to watch the end of this college football playoff game, actually, because uh, it's a really good game to be out of Aaron Richard. Uh, but uh, just before we do go, thank you so much to everybody that's been involved in the chat room. Really do uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, yeah, Cross Taylor as well. So, yeah, 2018. So, yeah, it's the third World uh, Championship final. Uh, that's going to be held at Alexander Palace. It's going to be all English, of course, as well. Because, oh, no, Ed, uh, hang on. Annie Hamilton's Scottish. I'm, I'm too, I'm, I am too old for this already. So, yes, Cross Taylor will be the second. was the first all English final at the Alexander Palace. And this one will be the second. On that bombshell, I'm going. Depending on whether you include Peter Ryan. So, I do want to say another again a massive thank you to our Fallout sponsor, uh, Paddy Power. 
Uh, they are the official sponsors of the Paddy Power World Arts Championship. And as we said before, they're offering the best bets throughout the event, including that if you place a bet on a hashtag, what's on Paddy, especially in a session, you will get a free bet if there is a nine data hit in that session. Came very close today. Remember, Rob Cross was a seven perfect into yeah, the nine. There's got there's always there's always one in there. There's always I can't one. spike. I can't spike. Uh, but yes, if you do want to uh, get yourself onto uh, Paddy uh, right now and have a look at the best bets ahead of the semi-final, don't forget that Phil will be pushing out a best bet of the tournament as well for the semi-final nights. So and make sure that you do just that. Uh, you can get that on the onlinedarts.com uh, website uh, early doors tomorrow morning. And also we'll have a preview for you ahead of the semi-final. So make sure that you read up on all that but as you say if you want to do check out paddy power for all the best offers via their free to download app you can do just search paddy power whenever you get your apps uh, you can also look on their website paddypower.com bet or of course you can go in store if there is one near you and as we've always said gamble responsibly please 18 plus be gambleaware.org you can go and check out all the rest of our videos as well we have interviews with all four of the quarter finalists uh, you can do that right now if you're on the web, if you're on YouTube, or of course you listen by the podcast. Just search online darts on YouTube, and you will be able to do that. Cam McFarlane, it's been a pleasure uh, to chat with you again. Uh, same time tomorrow-ish, hopefully. Yeah, same not- time tomorrow-ish. I think we may, may be slightly later tomorrow, depending on how long the session goes on to, because it was a relatively quick one tonight. It felt like it felt like I got through it quite early, but yeah. um, yes, I will see you tomorrow. Yes, and we will both see you tomorrow. Thanks indeed for your contributions in the chat room. As always, this has been the Fallout Bar from Online Darts. Looking back on the quarterfinal day at the World Darts Championship, where Williams has seen off Mighty Michael Van Gogh and Mighty Mike, they will end the year world number one, unless Luke Humphreys can go and pick up a fourth TV title in five. He only needs to make the final, actually, I think. No, 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 I don't think he does. I think he has to. Oh, yeah, no, he might actually only make the final. He does. He only needs to make a final. Yes, absolutely right. So, uh, yes, so there we go. He will end the year as world number one unless Luke Humphreys wins tomorrow night against Scott Williams, the man who beat Michael Van Gogh in the other semi-final. It was a case of a comeback of all proportions to Rob Cross, coming back from 4-0 down to beat Chris Davey 5-4. But the teenage sensation Luke Lickler, his fairy tale run continues. He beat Brennan Dolan 5-1. And he is in a World Darts Championship semi-final at the age of, let me guess, 16. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, but from all of us here, thank you so much indeed for your contributions this evening. We will see you tomorrow. This has been the Fallout Bar from Online Darts. Thank you so much for your company this evening. And if you're listening on the podcast, thanks for taking us uh, wherever you are. We'll see you again tomorrow for our final Fallout Bar of the year. Take care. Final Fallout Bar of the World Darts Championship. Take care. See you later.